Florida Governor Ron DeSantis moved migrants to the sanctuary destination of Martha's Vineyard, and the residents deported these migrants in less than 48 hours. DeSantis's move angered many people on the left, the same people who voted for the very crisis crushing our border states today. So we will go through all of the facts, figures, and points that make this hypocrisy so stunning. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Relatable. Happy Monday. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Man, I was all around last week. September is a very busy month for me in a lot of different ways. I got to go to Atlanta for the Family Research Council's Stand, Vote, Pray Summit. That was awesome. I spoke after Dr. Albert Muller, which of course was an honor. And then I went to Spokane, Washington, never been to the state of Washington before. And I got to speak for an organization there, a wonderful, brilliant organization filled with so many godly people. Something that I told them that I found to be true in my travels is that the Christians and conservatives that I meet in places that are most hostile to our faith and to our views um, as conservatives, as Christians, are some of the kindest and boldest people and some of the clearest thinkers. And I found that when I was in Spokane. And then I was in, where was I? I was in Houston on Saturday speaking there. And so it was great. It was, um, I don't love traveling itself. Like I don't love the process of traveling, but I love what I get to do. I love being on stage and speaking about the things that I believe matter and meeting all of you, meeting some of the people that have been listening to my podcast and who have been supporting me. And most of all, praying for me for many years. I meet you who give me so much encouragement and also tell me that you and your family pray for me on a regular basis. And you guys have no idea how much that means to me. And what I love is that wherever I go, the people I talk to always say, I feel like we know each other. I feel like we're friends, which is really special. Like there are a lot of amazing podcasts out there, so many amazing shows out there. And I feel especially blessed, though, that we feel like a family in a podcast that we don't even really talk about personal stuff all that much. It's not like I'm dishing all of the parts of my life or that I'm telling you all of my hidden secrets. And yet in talking about the news and talking about theology and talking about the things going on in the world and trying to make sense of it, you feel like we are sitting down and having a cup of coffee and talking like friends. And that's exactly what I've always wanted for this show. That's why it's called Relatable. And I'm just so thankful that there are so many of you out there who feel that too. And so thanks for being community and thanks for being a family. A lot of you ask me, how do I know where you're speaking so I don't miss you? And I don't have my speaking schedule up anywhere. There are several reasons for that. One of them is just safety. I kind of leave it up to the organization to advertise to their community to make sure that the right people are coming. But one of these days, one of these days, we are going to do 
a speaking tour. One of these days, we are going to hit the road and we will advertise all of the dates and all of the locations. And we will make sure that everyone who wants to meet me and come hear me speak is able to do that. Now is not the time for that, but one day that will happen. And so hopefully you'll get the opportunity to do that. Anyway, just wanted to start the show with that bit of gratitude before we talk about what I find to be just a fascinating, partly hilarious, partly really sad, but all around extremely notable news story. And that, of course, is the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, busing 48 illegal migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Now, if you don't know, Martha's Vineyard is an extremely wealthy and liberal island in the state of Massachusetts. I've never been there before. I have met some of you who live outside of Martha's Vineyard. You have visited Martha's Vineyard before, uh, but I personally don't have any experience. All I know is that the Obamas have this huge mansion and huge property there. Lots of rich elites uh, like to go there. Not saying that everyone there is liberal or everyone there is a bad person by any means, but it simply has the reputation for being extremely exclusive and extremely upper class. They don't typically have to deal with the problems of the policies that they tend to vote for until now. According to PBS, under the Trump administration, the area declared itself a sanctuary destination. Now, what does that mean? It means that they would welcome undocumented so-called immigrants and shield them from being detained by ICE and deported by the government. And of course, it wasn't just Martha's Vineyard who declared this while Trump was president. There were many states and jurisdictions who made the same declaration. California, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, the whole state of Massachusetts, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Vermont, Washington State, and Washington, D.C. I think there were others as well. There were also universities, including Harvard, which is in Boston, which is in Massachusetts. So really, Massachusetts is just like this whole sanctuary place. They declared themselves refuges um, for people here illegally. You know who did not declare themselves sanctuaries for illegal migrants? Texas, Arizona, and Florida. Texas and Arizona are border states, and they have had to bear the brunt of mostly unfettered illegal migration for years. So before we get into the rest of really what happened at Martha's Vineyard, how this has gone down, what the reaction has been, what the point and principles we should take away from this are, I want to set this up. I want to give us some context for why this was a politically smart move and why it's and why and how it has forced us to stare in the face of the serious problem that is illegal immigration and how it has maybe more than any other political move, at least in recent political history, highlighted the gross hypocrisy of the social justice left. Let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Patriot Mobile. So you're listening to this and you're like, wow, this is a real problem. I really don't want to vote for politicians. 
anymore that are supporting illegal immigration. This is really bad for the country. Well, you probably don't want to spend your money on services from businesses that are using your dollars to support politicians that are supporting open borders, which is why you need to look into Patriot Mobile. They're America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in things like the sanctity of life, like strong borders, like free speech, the Second Amendment, and they are winning. That's a great thing because guess what? Your money is already going towards political causes anyway when you support these corporations. So... Your money may as well be supporting the candidates and the politicians that you like. Patriot Mobile also has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative value. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie for free activation with the offer code Allie. That's patriotmobile.com slash Allie, patriotmobile.com slash Allie. So let let me tell you why this is a problem, why this happened, and why it is so ridiculous that people are only now calling this a humanitarian crisis because 48 of these illegal migrants ended uh, ended up at Martha's Vineyard. So Florida, while not a border state, uh, deals with illegal immigration, not in the same way that Texas and Arizona do. But just last year, an illegal immigrant in Florida from Honduras who had posed as a teen in order to get in thanks to Biden's policies that allow illegal minors to remain in the United States murdered a father of four in Jacksonville. When he came in, he said he was 17. He was actually 24 years old. He murdered this father of four there. The Biden administration refuses to do anything about this crisis. They refuse to supply Border Patrol with the people and the resources that they need. They ended Trump's remain in Mexico policy, which required migrants to stay in Mexico while waiting for their asylum claims to be approved. And one thing I want to say about asylum claims, we tend to see from the left every illegal immigrant being called a refugee, being called an asylum seeker. An asylum seeker and a refugee aren't exactly the same things, but an illegal immigrant and an asylum seeker or refugee also aren't the same things. There are specific definitions that we've talked about on this podcast of what an asylum seeker is and what a refugee is. Someone that is simply fleeing their country to get a better life or to uh, to find better economic opportunities, while that's understandable, Maybe we can't blame someone for wanting to leave their country and come to the United States because there are better job opportunities there. That doesn't make them a refugee. If that's the case, then everyone from virtually any country that wants to leave and come to the United States is a refugee or asylum seeker. Not everyone who wants to come here who happens to just come from a poor country is an asylum seeker or a refugee. So that's an emotional rhetoric tactic. So just make sure you're recognizing that for what it is. When it comes to this crisis, Democrats are dangling citizenship and benefits in front of these illegal immigrants. And the Biden administration is moving them deeper into the United States. Uh, We saw this last year. This was reported, I saw initially by the New York Post, that plane loads of underage migrants are being flown secretly into suburban New York in an effort by President Biden's administration to quietly resettle them across the region. This was reported in October of 2021. The charter flights originate in Texas and have been underway since at least 
August of 2021. Apparently, these illegal migrants were being taken from the border, flown in the middle of the night, not just to New York, but also to places in Maryland, places in Florida, cities across the country. This was a major concern for Republicans at the time and for conservative media who tried to hold the administration's feet to the fire, and they basically didn't have any answer for it. Um, The White House insisted that the flights only carry children and teens, and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services said it is our legal responsibility to safely care for unaccompanied children until they can be swiftly unified with a parent or a vetted sponsor. But that's not exactly what happened. The administration brought 1,500 young men aged 15 to 17 illegal migrants from the border into Dallas, dropped them off at a convention center. We still don't know what happened to all of them. They said, oh, we're going to look for some family members that they supposedly have somewhere in the United States. We'll take them there. Is there any guarantee? Is there any accountability, any kind of transparency here? We have no idea what kind of program was going on there. Was there any coordination between state and local officials in the Biden administration flying these illegal migrants to Maryland, to New York, to different parts of Texas, to different parts of Florida, all over the country? Like, was there any consent by the citizens who live there? Who, by the way, the Biden administration is supposed to be serving? All of this incentivizes families to make a dangerous trek across the border. It encourages and it exacerbates drug and human trafficking, which is rampant at the border. The most recent figures from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection um, is that during July and August, 37,805 unaccompanied minors were caught entering from the U.S. or to the U.S. from Mexico, sometimes after being abandoned by professional smugglers known as Coyotes. And we've seen video after video on Twitter for the people who are paying attention anyway of children. We're talking toddlers and babies alone, abandoned in the desert after the smugglers did their job of getting them over the border, sometimes literally just like throwing them over the fence. And sometimes these kids are dead. Sometimes they're alive. We've also seen footage of children drugged into unconsciousness with a bunch of adult men hiding in the desert, falsely claiming to be their parents, which, by the way, that is one reason why the Trump administration separated minors from adults temporarily at the border. Now, I wasn't on board with taking kids from their real parents. Of course, I'm still not. But many of these kids are being trafficked. They're not with their real parents. So there had to be some kind of process of separation to verify that. According to the Washington Examiner, Local authorities are pulling about 30 bodies out of the water every month, including babies and children who drowned trying to cross the Rio Grande. In fiscal year 2021, there were nearly 2 million migrant apprehensions, 2 million along the U.S.-Mexico border. And that number only accounts for the people encountered by border agents. More than 400,000 more migrants eluded apprehension, and they're counted among what is called gotaways. Also in 2021, 147,000 unaccompanied migrant children entered into the U.S. 122,000 were taken into the U.S. to U.S. custody, the previous record being 69,000. This is putting a huge, unbearable burden on the border towns of Arizona and Texas, many of which are already poor as it is. And now they're dealing with increased crime, with homelessness, with depleted resources. This was reported by... Uh, This was reported by 
Fox News today. A business owner near the U.S. southern border in Eagle Pass, Texas, said she was forced to sell her family honky-tonk after the venue was broken into on five separate occasions since February. I work alongside my father for 19 years, said Selena Buentello Price, the former second-generation owner of The Wagon Wheel, a local barbecue joint, one break-in in 25 years, and now she says because their, uh, because their town is really in the eye of this immigration storm, these illegal migrants are breaking into her property and she's just unable to uh, sustain the business anymore to keep on trying to make these repairs. It's just not financially worth it. The Del Rio sector of the southern border, which includes the small town of Eagle Pass, has had 375 uh, 375,000 migrant encounters since October last year. According to Customs and Border Protection, prices migrants have completely overrun the small town, leading residents and business owners to feel insecure. This is just one of many reports. This is just the latest report that I happened to see this morning. El Paso alone is spending $54,000 a day on food and shelter for illegal immigrants due to the Biden administration's lax border policy. Currently, migrants who cross into the U.S. illegally and then claim asylum are released from custody after being processed by Border Patrol and ICE, and then they never show up for their court date. This is also a report from Fox News that migrants are killing dogs, stealing from homes um, in these border towns that is prompting some Texas border town residents to arm themselves. So talk to people in Del Rio, talk to people in Eagle Pass, talk to people in Yuma, Arizona, talk to people in these border towns. They will tell you this is a real problem that is affecting their lives, that is affecting their towns. They will tell you that in many cases, the streets are overrun because the homeless shelters are full. This is what happens when you have lax border policy. This is what happens when you refuse to enforce immigration law. It is good for absolutely no one. Okay, let me pause and tell you about Annie's Kit Clubs. If you're looking for a way to entertain your kids and to make sure that they are doing things productive and constructive in their downtime, you need to check out Annie's Kit Clubs. It's such a great alternative to screen time, watching TV, playing on the iPad, because it makes sure that your kids are really engaged, that they're using their brain on Saturdays uh, at night when they're not doing their homework. This is just a great way for them to spend their time. It's a subscription craft service, and every month they send two craft kits to your home. They've got woodworking projects. They've got STEM activities. If your kids love science and technology, they've got different kinds of craft kits for girls. Awesome stuff. It includes all the supplies and instructions that your kids need to make a hands-on project. It's designed for kids ages 7 to 12, so if you've got kids in that range, it's really perfect for them. Go to Annie's kitclubs.com slash Allie. Get your first month 75% off. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. All right, so more on this. A recent Texas safety report outlines more than 573,000 criminal offenses committed by illegal aliens over the course of their entire Texas criminal careers. The number of crimes committed by these aliens in Texas and other states is probably much higher than these already unacceptable numbers. There are 1,245 Texans who would likely still be alive today because they were killed by illegal immigrants if we simply secured our border. That's not to say that citizens don't commit crimes. That's not to say that illegal immigrants are 
all committing crimes in addition to the crime of um, of going over the border illegally. We're simply saying, OK, uh, uh, if if citizens are committing crimes like we can deal with that, we've got a process to deal with citizens that are committing crimes. The process for dealing with non-citizens who are committing crimes is to not have them here in the first place like not all crimes are absolutely preventable through policy but crimes committed by illegal immigrants are preventable through policy so the crimes the murders committed by illegal aliens are a problem of policy they are results of decisions a report from the texas department of public safety says that uh, 235,000 illegal aliens were booked into local Texas jails between June 1st, 2011 and June 30th, 2021. Uh, Over 1,200 homicides, um, almost 67,000 assaults, uh, 17,500 burglaries, almost 73,000 drug charges, 980 kidnappings, over 33,000 thefts, over 4,100 robberies, over 7,000 sexual assaults, over 8,000 sexual offenses, over 49,000 obstructing police charges, over 8,000 weapons charges. This is a problem. These are all preventable crimes. And it is getting worse thanks to the policies of the Biden administration. This is according to Pew Research that migrant encounters more than doubled in all nine southwest border sectors in 2021. More than doubled. Migrant encounters at U.S.-Mexico border reached their highest level on record in 2021. They were at their lowest when Donald Trump was president or their lowest, let's see, in like 40 years when Donald Trump was president. That is the result of policy. Fentanyl drug seizure is up higher than it's been in the past. That is affecting not just affecting the United States, it's killing American citizens every day in this country. As I already mentioned, in February 2021, the Biden administration ended the Remain in Mexico policy, bringing even more illegal immigrants here. So needless to say, long story short, illegal immigration is a huge problem. It's a problem for the sovereignty of our country. You do not have a legitimate country if you do not have legitimate enforced borders. If you don't have a legitimate country, then you don't have legitimate citizenship. If you don't have legitimate citizenship, then you don't have legitimate rights and privileges that accompany that citizenship. The government of each country should be loyal first and foremost to its own citizens, even to the exclusion of foreigners. That it should not be a controversial statement at all. Other countries understand this, especially non-Western countries. And we also in the West understand this about other countries. Like no one is angry about the fact that Zimbabwe has extremely strict immigration laws that they don't just allow people to illegally immigrate there. But for some reason, if America enforces our borders and immigration laws, if we put our citizens first, then we are bigoted and racist. Look, it is good and righteous leadership for the leaders of a country to put the well-being, the safety, the security, and the interests of their people first, even to the exclusion of the interests and well-being of people from other countries. That does not mean that we think that people in America and American citizens are inherently better 
or superior in any way to people of other countries. That's not saying that people in America are worth more. We're actually saying that the leaders of other countries should also put the interests and the well-being and the safety and security of their people first, even to the exclusion of Americans' well-being and safety. Now, the goal, the ideal is that we can all do that peacefully, that we can also in addition to looking after the interests and the well-being of our own citizens, help those in other countries as much as we can, but never at the expense of the people in your own country. This idea that the Old Testament command to welcome the foreigner means that we are supposed to have unfettered illegal immigration is a horrible interpretation of scripture. Like if you really think, which by the way, it's so funny because the people that typically like they extract that verse, they decontextualize that verse from Exodus that says that Israel was supposed to welcome the foreigners and they think that we're supposed to base U.S. immigration law on that particular verse. Those are the same people that call people like me Christian nationalists because I use biblical principles to inform my perspective on, for example, abortion. So it's just really funny. But if you want to do that, like if you really want immigration law in the United States to perfectly reflect the immigration law in Israel, it's going to be a lot harsher and a lot stricter than American immigration law here today. Like, you know that people who uh, wanted to be a part of Israel, they couldn't just come in and do what they wanted to do. Like, there were restrictions, there were regulations, there were requirements uh, for people who wanted to be a part of Israel uh, that they had to, that they had to conform to. And so those today who think that the Bible in any way supports this idea of simply allowing your country to be overrun, um, supports this idea that walls are racist. One, you've never read the book of, of Nehemiah, and you don't understand what it means for leaders in a country to really care for and steward the people that God has entrusted to them. The truth is, is that illegal immigration is bad for all parties involved. The, U- the U.S., That's one party. The women and children making the trek. The countries from which they're fleeing, it it causes something called brain drain, where all of the competent people are leaving these poor countries and just making the countries worse and poorer. The only people benefiting from it are human and drug traffickers and Democrat politicians who have been using these people, listen now, have been using illegal immigrants as political pawns for years by either using them as bait to get the Hispanic vote and painting Republicans as bigots for wanting to secure the border or by promising them citizenship and voting rights. Or, and this brings us back to Martha's Vineyard, by declaring their cities and states sanctuary areas during Donald Trump's presidency. So, in light of all of this, Republican governors finally said, fine, let's see you put your money where your mouth is. You voted for this mass migration. You deal with the consequences. So Governors Abbott and Ducey, Texas and Arizona started busing migrants from their borders to some of these sanctuary jurisdictions. They sent buses and migrants who volunteered for relocation, by the way, to places like New York City and Washington, D.C. In June, 
New York City Mayor Eric Adams signed off on a $2 billion child child care plan that includes taxpayer funding uh, for child care benefits for illegal immigrants. But now, now he's saying that the migrants that have shown up in the city, thanks to these Republican governors, are creating a humanitarian crisis that they just can't handle. He actually said on ABC yesterday that the city is overwhelmed by this new influx of illegal migrants, despite the city being a sanctuary city. And the host of the show, Jonathan Carl, asked a really good question. He said, but look at what we just heard from the mayor in El Paso, Carl said to Adams the other day. They had 2,000 in a single day. How is it, he asks, that New York City is overwhelmed when it's a fraction of what we're seeing at the border? And of course, Eric Adams did not have an answer for that. Muriel Bowser, mayor of Washington, D.C., said this in a statement in 2016. The values, laws, and policies of Washington, D.C. did not change on election day. She's so brave. We celebrate our diversity and respect all D.C. residents, no matter their immigration status. We are a sanctuary city because we know that our neighbors are safer and stronger when no one is afraid to call on our government for help. And when our police can focus on protecting and serving. So basically, they were going to shield these illegal immigrants from deportation and being detained. And yet here was this same mayor just a few days ago. We're not a border town. We don't have an infrastructure uh, to handle uh, this this type of and a level of immigration to our city. But we will will create a new normal here in our infrastructure and have a, a humane welcome for people and an efficient um, you know service provision. But we we don't have the ability. We're not Texas. That's hilarious. We're not a border town. We're not we're not a border state. Then why did you call yourself a sanctuary destination a few years ago? Oh, right, right. Because you were posturing. It was a virtue signal because you, like all of these other Democrat leaders, including Lori Lightfoot of Chicago, she's also in this group, have been using immigrants as pawns for years without ever intending to face the consequences of your rhetoric, your vote and your policies. And by the way, Texas does not have the resources and neither does Arizona. And this brings us to Martha's Vineyard and Governor DeSantis. DeSantis chose the epicenter of liberal wealth, of privilege and virtue signaling and decided to force the residents there to put their money where their mouth is. All right, let me tell you about Good Ranchers. If you don't have Good Ranchers yet, man, you are missing out, not just on really good meat, high quality meat, sustainably sourced, ethically raised, but you're missing out on a way to make your life so much easier. I rely on Good Ranchers meat almost every night to make dinner. And what I love about it is that I just don't have to think about it. It's one less thing that I have to decide on and consider because all I have to do is open my freezer and I see all different kinds of meat and I just have to pick one thought and it's good to go. Shows up on your front porch Every month, if you subscribe, they've got better than organic chicken, pre-marinated, non-pre-marinated. They've got all different cuts of steak. They've also got awesome seafood. And it all comes from American farms and ranchers, plus the people that own Good Ranchers, 
I know them. They're great people. So you can just feel good about supporting the company and about supporting the farms and ranches that they support. Plus, if you use my link, goodranchers.com slash Allie or code Allie, you get $30 off plus free shipping. That's a great deal. Goodranchers.com slash Allie. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. So this is according to AP News. On Wednesday, September 14th, two planes carrying 48 predominantly Venezuelan illegal immigrants landed in Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. The migrants, tra- the migrants transported to Martha's Vineyard are uh, Venezuelans who recently crossed the southwest border without authorization and turned themselves into border officials. The immigrants were transported from San Antonio, Texas to Martha's Vineyard um, via two charter planes and uh, Martha's Vineyard went into chaos mode, claiming they are in a housing crisis, cannot even house the people who live and work there. There have been a lot of um, Facebook posts circulating from apparently from Martha's Vineyard residents saying, like, what are we going? What are we going to do? There's no room for these people. We don't have the resources for these people. And then you actually have other people posting in these groups saying, what are you talking about? We have all of these vacation homes. We have so many residencies that are vacant. Of course, people own them, but they're vacant. Why can't these migrants go there? You're talking about 48 people. 48 people, you're saying that Martha's Vineyard and all of their mansions, including including uh, Obama's mansion, that they can't fit 48 people? Also, I saw someone say this on Twitter, that if you search Airbnb for homes to rent in Martha's Vineyard, 297 homes are currently available. So why can't those owners take them off Airbnb for these migrants to live there? What's the real crisis here? Uh, The Massachusetts government then moved the illegal immigrants on Friday, September 16th, so lasted two days, to a military base in Cape Cod that apparently can better accommodate them. And, uh, you know, some people are mad because they are they say that these migrants were lured onto the planes with false promises of jobs and lawyer appointments. But all of this is unverified. There is a rumor that a woman named Perla apparently went to go like manipulate these people on the streets of San Antonio. I don't know that any of that is actually confirmed. Some have pointed out that San Antonio is hot and Venezuela is a temperate climate. So migrants might migrants might have been eager to get out of the heat. Uh, MSNBC was there. They were reporting on what's going on. And here is what the reporter there had to say. Now, I can tell you they are not angry at uh, Ron DeSantis. They are actually thanking him for having brought them to Martha's Vineyard where they were they were very well received. So, of course, Martha's Vineyard is a great place. Anyone saying that they're being trafficked there or this is so inhumane? Have you have you ever even seen a picture of Martha's Vineyard? I mean, like I said, this is one of the richest places, if not the richest place in the United States. Of course, they are happy to be there. And look, I'm glad that they received a warm welcome. The residents of um, the residents there 
in Martha's Vineyard. They helped them. They brought them into a church. They brought them into a shelter. They gave them food. And that's great. I'm glad that they did that. These people were made in the image of God. They're human beings. They should have been given those resources. But by the way, like churches in border towns in places like Arizona and Texas have also been caring for these illegal migrants for a very long time. So before we like give the people of Martha's Vineyard angel wings for taking care of 48 migrants for less than uh, 48 hours, maybe we should start patting on the back the people in the border towns who have been taking care of tens of thousands of these illegal migrants for years, even though most of them are voting to secure the border and did not declare themselves sanctuary cities. Um, Florida allocated $12 million this year to transport migrants out of the state. So this is all part of the budget. People are saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe he used taxpayer dollars to do this. Well, this is the budget that uh, this is the budget that Congress came up with or that the state legislature um, came up with. And so it's to be expected. Also, uh, Greg Abbott took two Texas buses of migrants um, to the to the vice president's house to just kind of show her like, here's the crisis that's going on. This is what's happening. I mean, this is a tiny, tiny snippet of the problem that these border states are facing. So the reaction to this is just hilarious to me. I mean, it's not hilarious that some of these children are caught up in this, but I am 100% in support of this kind of move. And the liberals, I knew, I knew, I knew there would be liberal women on Instagram so-called Christian social justice warriors saying things like, oh, this is awful. They're being treated like pawns. This is so terrible. Who have not been paying attention at all. Whose outrage and compassion and attention are completely dictated by what grows viral. And the like trendy infographics that one of their friends sent them on Instagram. Who don't know anything about the problem at all. Who don't know anything about what's going on. Who only cared when it was trendy to talk about how the Trump administration is separating families at the border. And who had nothing to say about Biden flying and busing these migrants to different parts of the country without the consent of the citizenry, without uh, the knowledge of the people that live there, without coordination between local and state officials and the federal governments, who have nothing to say about the conditions in the border towns and who have no compassion, by the way, for the people who live in this country. I saw AOC trying to go after Ted Cruz and say, like, you need to support the Venezuelans. This is uh, our this is Nuestra Familia Latina. This is our uh, Latinx family. Like, why do you feel more fidelity to illegal immigrants than you do your fellow citizens? I'm not saying that you shouldn't have any compassion for them. I'm not saying certainly that we should mistreat them or we should uh, deprive them when they are here of, you know, necessary sustenance. But why is your fidelity to them and not to the country and the Constitution that you apparently pledged an oath to? We keep hearing diversity is our strength. Diversity is our strength. Why doesn't Martha's Vineyard feel that way? Why don't they feel that way? I mean, they're a sanctuary jurisdiction. They're a sanctuary state in Massachusetts. Why the change of heart? Why the change of tune? For Washington, D.C., for Chicago, for New York City. 
I mean, certainly if any area is sorely lacking diversity, it's Martha's Vineyard, which is almost like 95% white. They didn't want the diversity. They deported them after 48 hours. The people who are saying, oh, there's no resources. Martha's Vineyard shuts down, not in the summer. That is ridiculous. That is absolutely not true. There might not be as many touristy things going on, but by the way, it's only two hours outside of Boston. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous, the reaction that people are having, and it is so hypocritical. But hey, I have to pat on the back, Martha's Vineyard, because if we, I mean, if we decided to adopt those immigration policies, those deportation policies, if the whole country decided that, okay, you got 48 hours of legal immigrants, then we're going to deport you out of our area, our illegal immigration crisis would be over tomorrow. Uh, so, I mean, I thought that this was a brilliant move. I know that there is some backlash, but it really showed what liberals think actually, especially in those northern states about immigration and about immigrants. They want to be able to virtue signal. They want to be able to think that they're great people by voting to be a sanctuary state, and they don't want to deal with the consequences. It's like Thomas Sowell said, that liberals are always judged by the intention or the supposed intention of their policies, but never the consequences. There was a tweet by MSNBC, and they were quoting someone else in this article, And it said that Florida Governor DeSantis sending asylum seekers to Martha's Vineyard is like, quote, me taking my trash out and just driving to different areas where I live and just throwing my trash there. A founding member of a foundation which helps refugees said and they deleted it because that's a really weird thing to say. That's a really weird comparison to make. So this is the issue. This is the problem. And most people aren't willing to face it. There are Republicans that are complicit, that are Democrats that are to blame, but I really do not want to hear your whining and your preening and your pretending like you care about this crisis if you are just now opening your eyes to it because 48 people were sent to Martha's Vineyard. This is a big deal. I also don't want these people to be treated like political pawns. I also don't want them to be objectified. I don't want that for them. That's exactly why I want the border to be secure. That's why I want us to enforce our immigration policy. It's better for everyone. It's better for the United States. It's better for the countries they're fleeing from. It's better for the people and for the kids who aren't getting trafficked and smuggled and abandoned in the desert. It's better for American citizens at the border if we actually enforce our border. So maybe this will cause a lot of people up north who were not dealing with the ramifications of this to wake up and to realize what an issue this is. And for that reason, I absolutely applaud what Governors DeSantis and Abbott and Ducey are doing. Maybe this will change something. Maybe it will. All right. I want to talk about Chrissy Teigen, but I don't have time for that today and her announcement that actually what she told us was a miscarriage last year. And I really defended her when she posted those pictures. And now she is telling us that was an abortion. So I'll tell you all of my thoughts on that. That'll probably be tomorrow. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you back here then.